turned out to be a punk rocker. You know what I do. Warning. This podcast contains hot takes, cliched opinions and strong language. Welcome to Records and Bands. Welcome to Records and Bands, I'm Rob Jones. Joining me today is the man behind Superfancast and Superfan News, the novel Under a Dateful Sun and countless other projects, it's Chris Peters. Welcome to the show. How are you doing? Doing very good, thank you. Um, tell us a little bit about Superfan World, so the website and the podcast and all of that. They are on us. Yeah, so, uh, so Superfan started as a, uh, it, it wasn't a lockdown project, it was a post-lockdown project where um, I needed an outlet to, to talk about music. So we started on myself and Matt doing the podcast really as, as kind of a bit of therapy for two dads who lived the other end of that, at that time, we both lived the other end of the country. So he, he was up in Northumberland and I was down here in Hertfordshire. Um, he's, he's since moved, but we, yeah, we were, we were miles away. Um, I didn't have anyone to talk to about music really that cared and we just didn't have any time. So starting the podcast was an excuse to, to force ourselves to get together every couple of weeks, uh, talk about music, listen to loads of new music that, that we otherwise weren't hearing and it's brilliant. So, so we started that in whatever that was, 2021, middle of 2021. And then I'm not very good at sticking to one thing and I've always got my finger in like a million different pies. So within six months or so i'd uh, i'd started a blog on blogspot which was just doing music reviews i, I was just posting music reviews and i got bored of that very quickly and decided to make a website so then i built superfan news which was um si- yeah similar to to the blogspot page the only difference was it allows users to submit their own reviews and so we kind of built out a little brand for superfan um from superfancast superfannews.net the, the, the website and I also did start a Superfan Weekly, uh, a newsletter, but I, I gave that up after <laughs> a few months. So yeah, so that's that. So I mean, the podcast is still going. It's not as regular as it once was this year, 2023. We've slowed it down a little bit just because I've got so much other stuff going on, um, but it's still happening. It's in the, in the third season and we're currently working on a, a, a BTS episode, which will be out in probably less than a week. That, that should be out. Um, so yeah, on Superfan Cast, we, we speak to superfans of, of particular bands and we used to, we used to quiz them and find out how well they knew their artists, but, but yeah, kind of relaxed it a little bit now. So we just want to find out what it is people love about, about their band. And um, yeah, that's, that's about it. Yeah. Um, I was listening to your, I, oh, I caught up with your, I made an episode this week and comparing your, your guest who's there to talk about Maiden. So he he counts as a super fan, clearly. But then you may do with me for Ben Folds. I, so I'm just wondering um, what constitutes a super fan. Is there a, a level of super fandom that you're willing to accept for a guest? Yeah, no, there's no there's no role as to what makes a super fan and, and what doesn't. We've spoken to really varied types of fans. Um, you know, I think when we first started out, we expected every fan to be the bts type fan screaming at the backstage door and getting their face tattooed and whatever <laughs> but they're not all like that you know we, we spoke to one one example is the episode we did for pj harvey the guy we spoke to super passionate about pj harvey knew all her music and, and knew everything about her and he's only been listening to pj harvey about two years 
So I don't think time is necessarily the most important factor. I also don't think the number of tattoos and number of, amount of memorabilia yes. you've got is the most important factor. People, yeah, people love bands for different reasons. We've spoken to people that seem way more passionate about the memorabilia they've got than the actual music. And then we've also spoken to people that could not care less about purchasing stuff and just want to see the band live. So yeah, it's different for everybody. Yeah. Brilliant. Um, is there a band or an artist that you're a super fan of, or is that spoilers for later on? No, it's not spoilers for later on because we did an episode about it on Superman Cost. Yeah, I'm, I'm a massive fan of that not so well-known early noughties British New Guys band, My Vitriol. Yeah, and and my my fandom for My Vitriol is, is fairly different. It's not particularly mainstream because I knew My Vitriol since I was a kid. Well, a kid, you know, since 2002 and was kind of indifferent, enjoyed their music. And then about 2017, 2018, I just rediscovered how great they were and went head over heels. And, and I think probably, probably since 2018, I don't, there's definitely not been a week has gone by that I haven't listened to Fine Lines. And there are, there are, there are months when I'll listen to Fine Lines almost every day, uh, just because it's such an easy album. For me, it's such an easy album to listen to. And, and for, for those listening that don't really know my vitriol that much, the, the reason I talk about Fine Lines is because they've only actually released two albums. And the second album, Secret Sessions, it doesn't, it's a great album, but it doesn't compare to their debut. And so uh, my fandom for my vitriol is, is almost just fandom for Fine Lines, really. It's funny how we kind of miss things. For, well, there's some things that we miss first time around. I, um, I think I've spoken before about... Um, listening to the replacements back in like the early nineties off the back of hearing Paul Westerberg on the single soundtrack, going back to the replacements and being like, nah, that's not for me. But then in about 2015, it's just like, oh my God, how have I missed this? How did I not give this more time? So yeah. Yeah. Oh, there's, there's so many artists like that. And also with the, with the podcast, I'll listen to artists that I wouldn't have, I just wouldn't have listened to before. A, a good example is, um, uh, I really want street questions, but I've lost street cred anyway. Um, is Taylor Swift. Like I would never have listened to Taylor Swift's more recent music if it hadn't been recommended um through through the, the Twitter channel uh, for the podcast. Um and there's some great albums from her. And 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 also I went back and listened to some of her earlier stuff and you can appreciate her a lot more after hearing what, what she's uh, what she's become. And she's an artist who I would never have gone near. <laughs> I would never have no, gone near um, if I hadn't done the podcast. Um, Sam, um, co-host on here, and you, you've had Sam on for the Christmas stuff, didn't you? Yeah, he, he absolutely adores her. Yeah, he just like can't get enough of her. It's crazy, you know. And he plays on a Saturday. He'll get, he goes off and plays in his uh, free called punk band. So there we go. Um, I sent you the questions. You've had them for a little while. How did you find them? Were they? Was there anything particularly devilish, or was it all pretty straightforward? Well, I think you can you can decide if it's it's. It's devilish on that. I don't think there's anything. I don't think you asked me anything to create. <laughs> yeah, just in terms of like having to decide on like the third album or anything like that. Was it all fairly? Yeah, top three albums of all time is is a really difficult one to ask answer, and I don't really have a don't really have a proper answer for top three albums of all time. There's no there's no three albums that I could label as as that. To be honest. I could I could probably give you like a top twenty albums or top thirty maybe all time. 
But when they, once you get down to that level, I can't, I can't order them. I could quite easily give you the top one, and then like the two and three would be changing all the time. So really, what's maybe, your top yeah, one? Yeah, oh, do little by the Pixies. But it, all music, all music ever yeah. released. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's for a confidence. It's, it's the root of everything that I like. Serious? Like, like, yeah. I don't, know, yeah. I don't think it's perfect. And back in like when I first heard it, obviously that like, it's like the baser wave of mutilation here comes your man and that really gets hooked into it but now it's like hey and sliver and i bleed and it's, you know i just hear different stuff in it all the yeah. time but you know having lived with it for 25 years i know it's older than that but that's how long i've known it for so what would be your top three albums of all time well in in the when you asked me you sent me the question and i sent you some answers back the an- the answer i gave you um, it's probably the top three albums at the moment. I couldn't, I couldn't give you of all time, but certainly the, the ones that are fairly consistent with me is, is definitely Fine Lines by My Vitriol. Um, that definitely gets played more than any other record uh, by me. Uh, I listen to it more than any other, any other record easily. And for me, it's pretty flawless. But I, d- I get that other people, it's just not their genre. I don't know. I mean, if, for me, it's it's a top three album. Uh, yeah. Another one would be um, Caroline Confessions by Marcus King Band. Marcus King is an artist who it just blows my mind how he, he's not bigger. How how people don't know who he, and people do know who he is. And I think in the US he's a lot bigger than he is here. I think he's currently touring the UK. So yeah, if you can get some last minute tickets, go see Marcus King. Right, he's completely new to me, and I had a wonderful afternoon in the park today. Because I work in the park, so. It's- had a wonderful afternoon in the park with him in my ears. He's got a wonderful voice. Did you? He's got a phenomenal voice. Did yeah. you listen to the album Carolina Confessions? Yes, I did. And there's parts of it where like, I kind of thought, oh, yeah, this is like proper country storytelling stuff. And then he goes down to this weird, or not weird, this like classic soul route almost. And it's Yeah. Like, he's wasn't expecting that. He's like this perfect mix. That album is like a beautiful mix of blues and soul and yeah. big band elements too. As well, he's got the whole brass yeah. section in, on the band there. It's just amazing, and and he's just he's just such a beautiful bloke. Just uh, his his voice, his um, his storytelling, his it's just amazing. Yeah, he's he's gone solo now. So he's I mean, it was Marcus King band now. Now it's Marcus King, and his his solo stuff is not. Uh, really to my liking that much it's it's more acoustic it's much bluesier and yeah a bit more reserved than um the marcus king band but that caroline confessions album is amazing there's not a, there's not a time i put it on and i can't listen to the whole album beginning to end yeah but it's, it's phenomenal yeah. and then another one that i listen to an awful lot but this is quite new it's not new it's another one that i'm i knew from the early noughties but kind of forgot about for probably 10 or 15 years and then more recently got into and that's um start with a strong and persistent desire by uh, by vex red which is such a slept on record probably because vex red didn't really do anything beyond that uh, but it's an amazing an amazing record so unique and that's my vitriol and vex red are both bands that i love their debut albums so much i'm constantly trying to find other stuff like that and they're both bands who i never succeed I've never found anyone else who sounds like my Red. I've never found anyone else who sounds like my Vitriol. Were they? They're both around two thousand and two. Were they? They came. Yeah. Because there's yeah. Because there's that 
I'm not. They don't sound like. I don't think they sound like anyone else. Like you can't say like. I know that they sound like X band, but there's there's massive new metal feels in it. Definitely, yeah, yeah. It's definitely. You know, got it's like, I, like at one point, um, I was, I was thinking Linkin Park, but better, but not Linkin Park. Like, it was just really difficult to land on a accurate comparison, really. And I think that kind of shows both of the bands in good light that you can't actually pin them down as a carbon copy or a photocopy of another big band of the time. And it, to be honest, it is a that sort of just like turn of the century new meta the in, going into that sort of emo-y type stuff. That's a big blind spot for me because I was away traveling and wasn't keeping up with stuff. And yeah, so it, it was all quite new for me. Yeah, I think I think that one of the one of the defining aspects of of the new metal scene was all those all those mainstream new metal bands. They all had a DJ, didn't they? They all had some guy mm. scratching in the background. And, um, you know, that's something Bex Red does beautifully because it's a, a really awesome mix of, of electronic music with, uh, yeah, with a live band. And there was a lot of that around the early noughties, um, where rock bands were experimenting with, with electronic music. And, um, it was a good time for that. It was a good time for that. I think, I think in more recent years, a lot of bands have gone over the edge a little bit with it. And so, maybe a little bit too much electronic music in, in, in mm-hmm. uh, some, some of those rock bands. But, but yeah, Vitriol is, is a perfect example of that. Um, my Vitriol, not so much, but because my Vitriol are so heavily shoegaze influenced, there's just a million and one effects on, on, on their guitars. So you still get that kind of feel for it. Yeah, I got, um, I got massive Deftones vibes off of yeah. that record as well. That's really, but his voice, I wasn't expecting his voice. I'd expect like it sounded almost like um, I'm trying to be find um. I want to say a very delicate voice, somewhat. Yeah, yeah, and almost pop punky. Yeah, yeah. A lot, but a lot of the a lot of the hits off that album, like like grounded, um, cemented shoes, and and always your way. They're very poppy songs, um, very poppy structures, and um, you know, got sing along choruses. So yeah, I don't think it's. I don't think it's a slow to say that they're no. you know, they're poppy. Good. Um, um, what was the first record you bought with your own money, or you specifically said to someone, "Can you buy that for me, please?" It was probably um, the the first one that I got that I asked for was I think I should cocoa by Supergrass, yeah. um, which yeah I'd asked for because I I really liked Supergrass at the time, and again to this day, flawless album flawless i i forget how good it is you kind of think oh yeah it's got all right on it and that's a big tune but then like man-sized rooster is fantastic yeah. and i'd like to know with just like oh yeah i love it it's brilliant covers um, yeah and um the second album as well in it for the money that's brilliant too in it for the money is brilliant too um it's it's not as good as i Coco. and then from in it for the money supergrass it, it, it it goes downhill a little bit. I find them a little bit, um, they make me a little bit sad, Supergrass, because I feel like Anshi Koto was such a mind-blowing record. And then when they split, um, actually the first ever episode of Superfancast was about uh, Supergrass. When they split, they kind of, um, when you read interviews with them, they were talking about how they just realized they were trying to record a, a new album. And they were in the studio and they just said, just not got it anymore, have we? And they decided to break up. So, 
it's kind of sad. Like they, I mean, a lot of bands must go through that where they have their heyday and they're, they're absolutely killing it and it just kind of dries up a little bit. And then they come back 20 years later for a cash-in tour. Well, well that's what Supergrass are doing now, actually. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, and the Pixies are. Well, the, mm. the, the, Pixies are, the Pixies are making new music as well and Smashing Pumpkins are kind of back together and they're making new music. But I've thankfully managed to avoid that. I didn't realise they were back together. Um, I, I can't remember. what I listened to a record of theirs from about 2018 called Shiny and Oh So Bright. And oh, right. it was weird. Like Billy sounded happy. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> but they got a new album out in a couple of weeks' time anyway, as we record. So um what was the last record you bought or streamed or downloaded? It doesn't have to be something new, just what was the last thing you had on, do you reckon? Oh, the last thing I had on. Yeah, what was I listening to this afternoon? Oh dear. What was it? I I was listening to this afternoon something I listened to fairly regularly. Um, which was actually I listened to three albums back to back by Parable. I'm a big Paramore fan. I think that, um, I think they, they got, you probably remember when Paramore started and they got a lot of hate. Like, I, I feel that. Right, I don't, I don't. Oh, I'm too don't? old. I'm too old. I reckon. By, so when, when, when were they, like 2005, was it their first album? I think their first album was before then, but I think, yeah, it was around 2005 right. that they started getting big. Um, was that Riot or something? Riot. And they were yeah, really seen so... as kind of like the face of emo and so yeah. they got a lot of shit yeah so in two so 2004 i was in new zealand 2006 i got married 2007 i had my kid first kid and i just wasn't keeping up with anything the closest i came to current we went to Redden festival to see pearl jam and like my chemical romance were on halfway through the day and that's as close to email as i got clear enough um but I now have a 13-year-old daughter, and she's absolutely paramour mad. Really? I mean, you've got to yeah, get, you've got to give them a try. I think that, that Hayley Williams is. I tell you what, Hayley Williams did a has, has a solo career, and her debut solo album, Petals for Armor. Oh my god! I mean, I've probably talked about it a lot on on Superfancast, but you've got to check that record out. Her voice is oh, just. Then, she's amazing. She's from Remote Planet. I'll, yeah. I'll pass it on to the girl one. She'll like that. Um, what was the first gig you went to? V two thousand, maybe. Um, right. That, I mean, from that from that V festival, if it was two thousand, it was nineteen or two thousand. But from that V festival, the uh, thing uh, ninety nine was Manix. Manix headline in ninety nine because I was there. Oh well, I've seen Manix, but I, but, but I haven't uh, out of the festival. But it wasn't yeah. the first year that I went, so maybe Manix right. came back two thousand one or something. Yeah, probably. Or um, but, yeah. The year that the year the first year that I went, well, I went with my aunt because I was a bit a bit young. Um, but the the artists that really blew me away were Richard Ashcroft, obviously. I mean, he's that if you were going to be blown away by Richard Ashcroft, it was going to be around then, wasn't it? Two thousand, two thousand and one, really in his prime. Um, and Ocean Colour Scene as well. Not a fan. A lot of people don't like Ocean Colour Scene. I don't know why that is. For some reason, when I was about, I must have been 16 or 17 when, um, I can't remember what that first album was called. What was that? The one with um, the Riverboat song and that. Mosey Mosley Shoals. Shoals. Mosley Shoals was, um, yeah, Riverboat song. My, my mother bought me that for my birthday and it was like my only birthday present. And I was like, thanks, I think. And like, I just put it on once and never listened to it ever again. No way. 
Yeah, man. Very right. Oh, I like I like Ocean Colour scene, and and they really they blew me away. Um, I think I don't know what it was. I think the thing with Richard Ashcroft was for a for a sort of an early teens boy who was not that cool and was very skinny and gaunt and not not like the cool kid at school to see Richard Ashcroft get up on stage and be a proper geezer and just be an absolute legend, amazing voice, one of the best rock stars of all time. You just think, oh. You know, I could be, I could be that. I could be cool as well. He was a big inspiration, Richard Ashcroft, I think. Um, to see him so young, to see him live when I was so young, I think. Um, yeah, so that was, that was the first gig. Yeah. What was the last gig you went to? My vitriol was, um, well, technically it wasn't. It was, it was 100 Reasons. Um, I went to see 100 Reasons two weeks ago because my vitriol was supporting. And then that was amazing. Yeah, it, it was really, really good. I, uh, it was, it was my vitriol, Hellas for Heroes, and Hundred Reasons. So it was a proper early noughties fest. It was a really interesting gig because I don't think anyone there was under the age of, I mean, there were some younger people, but no one below the age of 25. Like it was, there were no oh, kids right. there. So um, most people there were sort of mid, mid thirties, mid to late thirties. So it was all people that were listening to these bands when they were big. I say when they were big, I mean, 100 Reasons have just released an album. That's why they were touring. And 100 Reasons have actually been releasing music over the years. But I don't think Headers for Heroes have been. I could be wrong. My vitriol certainly haven't been. I mean, it's the first time my vitriol have gigged for a long time. So it was just amazing to see them. And whilst I was there, I got to meet the band as well, which was just awesome. You know, I'd, I'd been talking to Song online because I'd stalked him a bit for, for quite a while. So to actually meet him was, was really cool. I had a good chat with him and then a good chat with Ravi as well. It's just a, just a brilliant gig. And, and then they're doing that, a headline gig in Scala in uh, November and can't wait for that. Brilliant. Brilliant. Um, you've already touched on it, but who has been the biggest influence on your record collection? So I'm not, um, massively, like easily influenced. I, I listen to my own stuff and do my own thing. But I guess like as a kid, my mum introduced me to soul music, but unintentionally, she, my mum's not massively into music. She had a, she had a decent vinyl collection, but she's not a big muso at all. Um, my dad also has a great, great cassette collection. All his music was on cassette, my dad, but is not into music that much. <laughs> so it's, it's kind of weird. So my dad had loads of, loads of Led Zeppelin. So everything ever released by Led Zeppelin, he had on cassette. So I listened to a lot of that on my, on my Walkman as a kid. I remember the first time I heard Led Zeppelin on the, on the school field, on my Walkman with my mate, Chris, the two of us sitting there with one earphone each and just getting lost in, in Robert Plant's voice. Um, and he also had, he had lots of yes, um, Stooges, Ted Nugent. Yeah, all, sort, all sorts of stuff. So, so my dad was, was, had a lot of rock. My mum had a lot of soul. So that's kind of like the stuff that I was, I heard as a kid. Um, and then my aunt, my, my dad's sister, she was, a, she was a big influence um, when I was growing up because she was the cool aunt. So I kind of, I'd listen to anything she'd listen to really. Um, and then as an adult, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty closed off. People tell me to listen to something. And I don't really listen to it. The only person that does have an influence on me is Matt, who I do the podcast with. Well, I do listen to his recommendations, um, and he's he's introduced me to some cool stuff. 
and just generally in conversation with with him or with other people, things will crop up and uh, one might take that away. But yeah, but normally um, I try to do my own thing and I'll, I'll discover my own stuff. And a lot of the stuff that I listen to, other people don't really care about. Nice. <laughs> do you um, find you're listening to a bigger range of stuff for the podcast than you would do otherwise? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. You wouldn't put and not, Maiden not just Iron mm. Maiden's not a great example, but for example, like yeah. we did, uh, I mean, there were definitely bands we've covered that I listened to their whole discography and still don't like them that much, but I did it for the podcast. And so like, mm. yes, I would never have heard like Mogwai, for example. I mean, do you know how many records Mogwai have? They have so much music and I listened to Too it all many. and I thought I'm going to find an album at some point that clicks with me. I didn't. So I can confidently say I'm not really into Mogwai. Uh, Kings of Convenience. We, we did a, an episode on Kings of Convenience, and it was not my kind of thing. But yeah, I listened to all their music, and so I kind of discovered a, a part of the music world that I didn't know existed. And, yeah, I saw Mogwai supporting the Manics in Hereford Leisure Centre um, just before. Um, if you tolerate this, your children will be next. Came out. Um, they, they, they. It was like oh. We've made, we've kind of finally made the proper big time, but let's go back to the little places we played on the way up before doing the big, you know, for warm up gigs, I suppose. And Mog, yeah, Mogwai supported them, and it was the most bored I've been at a gig for 45 minutes ever. Just like, oh, I kind of feel like Mogwai, I don't know what direction they're going in, but I'm obviously wrong because they've got a massive following and they've been going for a long time. You know, they've got 10 studio albums plus all the soundtracks that they've done and and you know a lot of other stuff so i'm obviously wrong with that but it kind of feels like you don't know who you are and they this kind of they're basically radiohead without the tunes aren't they <laughs> i guess yeah i guess <laughs> um chris have you ever been in a band and if you haven't been in a band what kind of band would you like to have been in or would you like to be in now or is there is there like would you like to be in my vitriol would you like to be in the rolling stones anything like that i wouldn't like to be on vitriol if i was going to be in a band i'd want to be Sebastian Buck from from Skid Row or Robert Blunt. That's yeah. Uh, I, I think I think that's what. And and growing up, that's what I wanted to be. I, de- I definitely wanted to be Robert Plant for a large portion of my twenties. <laughs> I had, did um, you have the hair and everything? I had the hair. I had very long hair. I had a lot more piercings than than Robert Plant had. Um, but yeah, I definitely modelled myself for Robert. <laughs> um, I have been in a couple of bands, but. I don't know, like, uh, I kind of felt like music's always been super important to me. And I obviously thought at one point in my life that that meant I was going to be a rock star. But it turns out I'm not, I'm not meant to be a rock star. I've accepted that now. Like, that's not my calling. <laughs> um, so I've been in a couple of bands singing and it's cool, but I, I guess I'm just not cut out for it. And it's not, it's not, my, I'm not made for it. Um, I play guitar a bit, but I play guitar for me and to annoy the kids a bit, and that's it really. Um, I jammed with. Uh, I, I was I was up home and went round to Leon's. We we used to play together in a band years ago, and I used to try and hit the drums in time occasionally when when we were kids, like sixteen, eighteen, like. And and he hadn't seen me play guitar like since I'd left twenty years ago. And he was like, oh, you're much better than the last time we played together. I was like, mate, it's been 20 years and I'm still terrible. So 
In fairness, I think I'm worse now at guitar than I was 20 years ago. <laughs> I did guitar lessons when I was at early teens. I was doing guitar lessons. I had a, um, a classical guitar that I've still got now. It's hanging up in the, in the living room. Um, and so then at least I was, I was practicing. Now I pick the guitar up maybe once a year. Right? Hey, There's right. one behind me. I don't know if you can see no, it's just hanging dark on the in the corner, I think. Um, yeah. Oh, but no, so yeah, I've got a few guitars around, but I just don't, just don't pick them up. And I tried so hard to be good at guitar. Um, I can play chords and I can, I can play a lot of chords, but yeah. Three chords in the truth? Yeah. Well, I've got that then. Maybe, maybe, maybe I'll try Rockstar again. It's a one day festival just for you. You get to pick six yeah. bands that are going to play. Who are you picking? Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna look at my I'm gonna look at what I sent to you previously. Uh, we're talking alive or dead. Um, so oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Gonna, gonna have dead acts. Yeah. So my bit uh Marcus King definitely because I well Marcus King band because it's one of those artists that I don't I don't know if he's gonna tour his Marcus King band again, and I'm not that interested in seeing him as a solo act. Love him, but I just don't love his solo music. So I'd love to see Marcus King band. So Saturday afternoon, is this like you're thinking, chill date Saturday afternoon? Yeah, years. sun's out. Yeah. yeah, Marcus King can play whilst the sun's out. And uh, we can sit on the grass rather than stand. And he can just blow us away. Then, I can't believe we haven't mentioned these guys yet. Matchbox 20. Oh. <laughs> I don't know how we've got this this long through the conversation without me mentioning Matchbox know. 20. What a massive, band. massive Matchbox 20 fan. Like, massive Rob Thomas fan. I think Rob Thomas is one of the one of the most underrated songwriters of of his generation, if not the most underrated songwriter of his generation. He's just amazing. Uh, yeah, got it. Yeah, got They got all the it. hooks. They got all the all <sighs> the like. They just know their way around a pop song, don't they? Well, hundred percent, hundred percent. And I, I love his, um, I love his phrasing and his compositions, and he's just so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You'll double someone like you. Uh, the songs on that album are just for for a debut. I mean, okay, so oh, that's gone with, on a little Matchbox Twenty detail here. So the band, the band before Matchbox Twenty, Tabitha's Secret. Who not not a lot of people know Tabitha's Secret, but that was his band before Matchbox Twenty, and they only released one album called Tabitha's Secret. A lot of not a lot, but some of the tracks on that album went on to become some big hits for for Matchbox Twenty. And if you listen to to Tabitha's Secret. And you hear like that is the first album he released, and you hear some of the songwriting on there. You just think, oh. I get that same feeling that I get from Song Wardner by My Vitriol, where I listen to a debut and I just think, how is that the, your first attainment at songwriting? How is that? I don't know. Like it's just mind blowing. Yeah. yeah. Write one song when you're 18. That's it. Completed it. Amazing. Songwriting completed it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I've done songwriting. Yeah, he's he's just. Amazing, just just great, yeah. So Matchbox Twenty have got to be there, um, yeah. Um, have I ever told you my Matchbox Twenty discovery story? Uh, I think I think you have, but um, have I? Yeah, go, go for it. Um, go share. So I, I flew to New Zealand, land, landed in Auckland during like the tail end of a cyclone. I I decided right, I'm going to stay up all night just to get over the jet lag, so I don't wait waste my first day in country, like go out to this bar and there's a band playing and they played unwell and i thought oh that that's all right i've heard i think i must have heard it somewhere before i recognized it i didn't know who it was and then i go off and 
you know, have a bit, bit, bit of a wander around. I stick my thumb out on the road. I get picked up by these German German girls. They're driving around, and the only tape they've got is a best of Matchbox Twenty or some tape of Matchbox Twenty. So for three days, I've just got Matchbox Twenty, and then for like the next six months. Every time I go into a bar, there's a band or the jukebox is playing Matchbox 20. And I'm like, it's that fucking band again. It's like um, Father Jack in uh, Father Ted. That gobshite's on the television <laughs> again. Um, and then we came home in about 2006, 2007. I, no, it might have been later than that. About 2012, probably. I, um, I was doing a lot of driving up and down between Northamptonshire and the Isle of Wight. I thought, I just need something easy to help eat up the miles. So I downloaded like um is it exile on mainstream yeah exile mean yeah the best yeah. off and i just never told anyone that i had it i was like and it was just like i put it on when it was just me in the car and that's it it was like my like a proper guilty pleasure but i absolutely fucking love them i think they're brilliant good good man yeah, they're, yeah. They're sorry amazing, back man. to your festival i think um that's all right no need to apologize i'm, yeah. I'm gonna keep talking about matchbox 20 so i mean the fourth <laughs> yeah. the first two albums yourself or someone like you and mad season those two I listen to almost weekly. That's <laughs> like but, but, but amazing album. Mad Season is is such a good album, such a good record. Um, Black and White People, favorite song by um, um by Matchbox Twenty, and Black and White People is my shower song. I tend to sing Black and White People by Matchbox Twenty in the shower. So if you ever hear that coming out the out the window at the back of my house, you'll know it in the shower. Sam often says like not every band has to change the world. Sometimes you can just be a good rock and roll band. Yeah, yeah, that works. Yeah, there you go. Um, so, so about that's three three artists. Uh, I've put I've put listed here. I've put Jeff Buckley, but actually, I might go back on it. I mean, I love Jeff Buckley, but I don't know if I was doing this festival with six slots. I don't know if Jeff Buckley is the artist I want to see at my six slot festival. Well, he's probably the artist I want to see at uh, a um, intimate, tiny little club, tiny little club. With just a table of me and some some other people that really appreciate Jeff Buckley, we can all just kind of wallow in his beauty. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I might go back on Jeff Buckley. We'll all come back to it. Michael Jackson, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely, hundred percent's got to be there. Um, just to, just experience being able to see Michael Jackson live. Um, Paramore, I've listed here as well. That makes sense. I definitely like to see Paramore. Yeah, I, their their newest out. They had an album out. Um, was it beginning of this year or end of last year? Yeah, February. Um, yeah, I didn't I didn't love it unfortunately, and um, wasn't wasn't my favorite. So it's the uh, it's the only Paramore album I'm not I'm not wild about. But um, Riot, I listened to a lot. Um, yeah, so Paramore, Paramore, Paramore going to be there. So that leaves me with with one slot, and um, thinking on my feet. I might, I might try and liven things up a bit. Who are I liven things up a bit with? Oh, do you know what? I don't know. I'd obviously have Led Zeppelin. I don't know if I'd liven things up, but it would certainly make a racket, wouldn't it? Yeah, we'd definitely have Led Zeppelin. I don't know if I'd make a Led Zeppelin. Out of all those bands, who's headlining? Led Zeppelin's headlining. Or Michael Jackson. Oh. I had the opportunity... Yeah, I had the opportunity in 1998 at Reading. It was Jimmy Page and Robert Plant or Bad Religion in a little tent. You didn't? So I went and got... You didn't Yeah, do Bad, Bad Religion. Religion in the tent. Yeah, fucking right it did. 
I would. But like, Led Zeppelin weren't even one of my dad's bands, really. What like, What year was this? Age white, ninety eight. Ninety eight would have been good still. Yeah, but but bad religion, isn't it? <laughs> and the second night we did watch the headline. The second night was the Beastie Boys. Oh my gosh! So that was good, but yeah, no, I was, I yeah, did I wasn't wasn't fussed about it. Like just uh, yeah, bad religion. Then mate, that bad religion gig, it was tits. It was absolute carnage. It was amazing. <laughs> I dine out on stories of them that gigs now. Like so, that's like the closest to cool I've ever got. The thing is, I wouldn't if I, if I was if I was told I could go see Robert Plant on the June page now, I'd do it. But I wouldn't be raging about. It. I wouldn't be like you know. I mean, everyone I've ever met to tell them I'm going to go to see them. But in 98, I would have done. Like, it, like I wouldn't, because at that time, I wouldn't have cared so much. No. But if I could see them in 98, then it'd be a different story, wouldn't it? I would have watched them. If it, if it wasn't Bad Religion, I, I think, um, well, to be fair, it was the specials and then Bad Religion. So it was that double bill, if you like, that, that swung it. But there you go. Um which band or artist makes you dance around the kitchen like a bit of a dickhead? It's and he's got to have that caveat on it. I think like the, I think I don't I don't dance around much, and actually I'm a bit um, at live shows tends to do a lot of standing watching with my mouth open, like <laughs> I'm not much of a dancer. But Michael Jackson and Stevie Wonder both put the rhythm in me. Have you got a particular Stevie Wonder tune or album that you put on, or is it just like the best of Stevie Wonder? Go. No, I don't. I don't actually. Um, I don't think I've ever listened to like an album by Stevie Wonder because I've got. I first kind of really just. What's the album that had "Happy Birthday" on it? That had a picture of his face on the front, braids. That I had that on vinyl that I got from my mum, so I listened to that one as a kid. But then, once we had thirty-two gig iPod. I inherited, you know how you could like get music off your friends. So I got everything Stevie Wonder ever released onto onto that iPod, and then I had that iPod for yeah, a decade or more. I, mean, I still got it now, but pretty much work if I try and charge it. But um, so I never listened to an album when I was listening to on the iPod. I would just shuffle Stevie Wonder, and there's so much music there. Like it, he's just just don't stop to see. So there's so much music there that you didn't have to worry about hearing repeats. I could listen to him for hours and just hear different songs all the time uh, which i did a lot when i first met my wife i was listening to daily stevie wonder and so yeah that, that was kind of like she she knew that yeah that was what i was into at that time so she, she always remembers that when when we first met stevie wonder was my gig like that was my thing my wife came down the aisle to her friend playing the piano and knocks me off my feet really <laughs> yeah so there you go is there a band or an artist that the whole world think, you know, are the dog's nuts, are amazing, and you're just like, nah, man, I don't get it? I don't think... I mean, I'll name a few that I really don't get. I don't think any of them are super controversial. The one that I'm really quite passionate about my dislike for is Adele. I really <laughs> I really can't stand Adele. And I think I, I can't stand her more because of the way the world goes on about her. That kind of gets to me even more. I think she's a perfectly average singer, a perfectly average artist. And I wish everyone would just accept it for what it is. Why do we have to keep going on about how she's changing the world when she's really not changing the world? I don't think she's done anything that any other artist could, couldn't do. Her, 
I don't think she's mind-blowing. I think she's got a very, very boring voice. That That's the big thing for me. Everyone goes on about how great her voice is. I find her so emotionless. I find the music no soul to it. But I, yeah, can't stand Adele. Can't stand Adele. So, so yes. So Adele, I really don't like. Um, I think I, I think I talked on, on Superfancast once. I went through my, my top five reasons why I don't like her. I can... I could talk a bit about that. So there's Adele. Yeah. And then other bands I really don't like for, for similar reasons is I don't like anyone who likes themselves more than, more than their fans do. Like I, I can't get on board with that. Like if some of these examples are, I mean, Bono ruins you two for me, really, unfortunately. And people keep telling me, yeah, but they've got some good albums. They've got some good music. I guess I'll never know, mate. I guess I'm just never going to find out because I'm not going to sit and listen to to you two because I can't stand Bono's voice, and that is really ruined by the fact that he's such an arrogant prick and that they kind of like. And I hear that, you know, if I if I never knew that and I listened to that music, I'd probably like it, but I can't not hear his arrogance. <laughs> I really like the Joshua Tree, but did you see the stuff this week he came out with about maybe? Um, acoustic and intimate is the new punk, and it's like, or may, or or maybe acoustic and intimate. I, I think I said something like maybe acoustic and intimate is something when you still you're still dining out on the songs you wrote forty years ago, and you haven't got a creative bone left in your body, you brick. Exactly. But, yeah, I think there's there's some ambiguity over what he means by the word punk, but either way, it's yeah, he winds me up. Um, so to me, punk is all about connection. It's about connection between the art and the artist and then the artist and the audience and it, it's like a little trifecta it all works around and then and that is intimate and it is personal to each person but it is and that that to me defines punk you can't have punk without caring mm-hmm. i don't care about you two <laughs> that's, that's fair enough i can't think of who else though i really dislike um i bet if matt's listening to this he's probably shouting now shouting out names that i, that I dislike I've got a really bad memory for stuff. Um, I don't like Coldplay for exactly the same reason. Again, I feel that Coldplay, when they're playing, they love their music way more than I could ever love it. I don't want that from an artist. I want you to want me to like it. I want you, you I like, I don't know. It's kind of weird. It's weird like that. Um, Famously, Scroobius Pip described them as music for people who don't like music. Totally makes sense. Totally makes sense. Um, flip the coin, or yeah, flip the coin. Is there... Someone that you're really, really into and everyone's like, mate, they're shit. So many, so many bands. <laughs> like there's so many bands. Like when I really love an album, like I really love an album. And I'll, and I'll, and I find I really struggle sometimes. My wife gets the worst of it because I'll, I'll hear an album and I'll, I'll have to play it to her and let's play it and watch her. Cause I want to see, I want to see how it affects her. And it doesn't affect her the same way it affects me. And it doesn't affect most people the way it affects me. Um, yeah, it's it's crazy. It's crazy. I, is, there, I mean, is there one artist that you and your wife kind of bond over particularly? She likes my vitriol. Would... She likes my vitriol. Yeah. Um, she's into a lot more uh, hip hop and R and B. She's into a lot of hip hop and R and B. If she's if she's going to listen to music, that's what she'll listen to. And you know, there's songs by Roots that she plays me and goes, "Isn't this the, the sexiest tune you've ever heard?" Um, it's not i can't find the roots that sick i don't find the roots sexy <laughs> so it doesn't gel with me or she'll play some outcalls or something and be like this has got to be the best rapping ever and it's not really like you know i like some hip-hop i, I like a lot of hip-hop actually but it's, but 
the wrapping that I find really impressive is kind of a bit more obscure and it's not got the hooks or the the, the flashing lights that, that she likes. So yeah, we, we discuss some stuff. There's some stuff we jam on. I think, like I said, when I really love an album, I find it hard. Marcus King is one of those bands that Marcus King bands, I cannot understand how people can't fall in love with Carolina Confessions, that album. My Vitriol's Fine Lines, I, I kind of get that it's not everyone's cup of tea. It's quite unique sounding. It's very unique sounding. And there's a genre, I know for some people it's just too much. You know, that, that, yeah, that, that shoegaze sound is just too much for some people. There's, there's too much wash going on, too many effects. And so I kind of get that. Um, but, you know, there was, I remember when, when I first heard Crony on Jesus by Teenage Wrist. I played everyone that album, everyone I saw ever. <laughs> I couldn't, and I couldn't understand why other people weren't blown away by it. And that's a band who, I mean, people have not heard of, have not heard of Teenagers. Chrome by Catherine Wheel, another album that I can't understand why. I can't understand why Catherine Wheel weren't bigger, why they weren't the biggest thing ever. Um, yeah, I could, I could think of those more. Yeah, Sunburn by Fuel, like it's another one that I just don't understand why that album wasn't big. Yes, lots of albums we, like that. Um, I was talking to another guest uh, last week because he picked The Roots as one of his favorite artists. And like my only real dalliance with The Roots is um, as Jay Z's backing band on his MTV Unplugged album. Oh, really? So, yeah. So, I was just going to say, like, if your wife doesn't know about that, dig that out for her because it's amazing. Cool. Really, really cool. Like, you don't, I don't, you like, I don't really do hip hop either. My brother turned me on to Kanye a couple of years ago and now Kanye's gone fucking nuts. Um, but like, yeah, that unplugged Jay Z album I have on quite a lot now. And it's really, really chill. So you can time yeah, you can time travel to any musical era or scene. Where do you want to go? Woodstock. Go at Woodstock. Yeah. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Um, another another iPod story. You know that that documentary that came out it must have been like the late nineties or something called something about Woodstock. But it was all home video. You know, it was all it was made up of just home videos from Woodstock. It's like three hours long. It's amazing. I I downloaded that on like LimeWire or something or Kazaa or Post Napster something like that. Mm-hmm. I downloaded that and and put that on my iPod and. That's the only video I ever had on. Oh, that's not true. I had a couple of Miranda Lambert music videos on there as well. That was the only video I had on my iPod for a long time. And when I was traveling like Australia and New Zealand, I watched that Woodstock video a lot and I just dreamed of, and I was a bit of a hippie there as well. So I just dreamed of being there and just being around. I, so I recently watched, have you seen a documentary on Netflix for Woodstock 99? We watched the HBO one, which I think ended up on Sky over here um, from from like the year before. So similar, me and Jamie okay. on Talking Dad, we did a double episode on Woodstock '99. We just ranted about it for about three hours. It was car, it was a car crash of a podcast, to be honest. But it was a car crash of a festival. But yeah, it's um, it kind of, it's kind of sad actually. So I watched that documentary a few weeks back, and it's just a bit, it's just a bit sad, isn't it? Because I mean, there were lots of mistakes made, but. Essentially, they kind of, in their heart of hearts, they wanted to kind of recreate Woodstock, yeah, which was 
but you'll never recreate it because kids these days are little shits. Like this is not what they were back then. You know, and to, to have been there at that time, listening to all this, yes, Elaine, it's amazing music. Of course it is. Like to see Jimi Hendrix and Jefferson Airplane and Country Joe and the Fish and all these people were just amazing. But, um, but also just to be there with hundreds of thousands of other kids who are kind of like-minded and, and also appreciate that great music and, and want to have a good time. It's never going to happen again. It's never going to happen. Like other scenes that I love, I mean, I love grunge. I love sort of late nineties, early noughties, alternative rock, shoegaze. But a lot of that was, you know, it was, um, little scenes all over the place. Whereas if Woodstock, if I was going to go back to a, a time in history, Woodstock is, is one place, one place, one time. It's all there. Who are you making sure you watch? Well, Jimi Hendrix. Well, yeah. Got to see Grace Slick as well. I mean, just just experience Grace Slick's voice would be amazing. Um, yeah, who else was there? Janis Joplin was there. Got to see Janis Joplin. Um, Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young. That was their first gig is a four piece, but Neil Young isn't in the documentary because he had to go at the people with the cameras. So they really? basically cut, cut him out of everything. Wow. So, Joe Cocker so as see... well. Yeah. 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 I mean, lots of good Brilliant. stuff. Lots of good stuff. Excellent. Right. You've got one song to add to our playlist for the ages. Just one. What, what, what are you choosing? Losing touch by my vitriol. Easy. Easy peasy. Was that the easiest of all the questions? Yeah, probably. Yeah, that's probably the easiest because no one else is going to choose Losing Touch by My Vitriol. And um, it's... My Vitriol has to go onto your, onto your playlist. And Losing Touch is, is another one of those songs that I just I started to stand out and sure it wasn't a hit. <laughs> it's, it's a pop rock song. It's, it's an amazing tune. God. It's got a great chorus. It's got defined verses. It just hits hard, hits super hard. Song's voice is really powerful in it. Um, it's great. So, yeah, losing touch. Well, I'll be sure. Brilliant. Chris, that was great. Thank you so very, very much. Um, just tell our dear, dear listener where she can find you again on the web. Um, you can find me mostly on uh, on Twitter. Is it easier place to find me? Uh, just look for Superfancast um, or my personal Twitter, which is uh, the, as in uh, Megan the Stallion, the Chris Peters. Do you shake it like she shakes it? No, she's she's my um, she's my whole part, Megan the Stallion. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Well, you're welcome back anytime. If there's an album you want to dive a bit deeper on or, or a band that you just want to shout at the sea about, I'm guessing it's going to be Matchbox 20, but you're welcome back to talk about Matchbox 20 anytime you like. Awesome. That'd be really cool. Awesome. So for now, I've been Rob, he's been Chris, and that was Records and Bands. Thank you very much. How good is fucking boring?